0: Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news.
1: Diego, have you seen the recent news about the U.S. National Science Foundation, the NSF, planning to explore creative ways of funding research?
0: Yes, Charlotte, I have. It's quite an interesting initiative. They're partnering with the Institute for Progress, a think tank based in Washington, D.C., to evaluate how efficiently the NSF is funding and supporting research.
1: Right. And this initiative was prompted by the CHIPS and Science Act passed by the UN2022. It's a move to support more exploratory and curiosity-driven research. Caleb Watney, the co-founder and joint CEO of IFP, is overseeing the experiments.
0: Yes. And it's not just about improving the funding process. It's also about understanding the organizational structures and incentives of science. It seems like the NSF is trying to build a research feedback loop into its system.
1: That's correct, Diego. And they're not just looking at the current system, they're also studying past changes and their impact on the scientific ecosystem. They're even considering implementing a no-deadline policy for grant proposals.
0: That's an interesting idea. By eliminating strict proposal deadlines, it could reduce the administrative burdens on reviewers and agency staff members. Plus, It might also increase the quality of submitted proposals if scientists can submit them when they feel it's most scientifically relevant.
1: Exactly, Diego. And they're also exploring ways to support more innovative, outside-the-box research. The NSF's director is keen on methods that allow reviewers to champion specific proposals. They're referring to these as golden tickets.
0: That's fascinating, Charlotte. It's like they're trying to break away from a consensus-oriented approach, and give reviewers more discretion. It'll be interesting to see how this impacts who gets funded and why.
1: Yes, and they're not rushing into this. They're planning to run a diagnostic stage before introducing any major changes. For example, they might ask reviewers who they would have given a golden ticket to and why, without actually changing the distribution of who gets funded.
0: That makes sense. It's a way to test the waters and see how these changes might affect the distribution of funding. And it's not just about the NSF. They're also in dialogue with the U.S. National Institutes of Health and some science agencies in the U.K.
1: It's a promising initiative, Diego. The way we fund and structure research has been stable for the past 60 years. It's about time we considered new approaches. As Watney said, the current system has a lot of merit but there's always room for improvement.
0: Absolutely, Charlotte. It's a step towards making the research funding process more efficient, innovative, and inclusive. It's going to be interesting to see how this initiative unfolds. From the exploration of innovative research funding methods, let's now turn our attention to a pressing issue that requires immediate action and innovative solutions of its own. A new report warns of the imminent tipping points that our planet is nearing due to climate change and the potential irreversible impact these could have on our natural systems. Let's delve into this. Charlotte, it seems we're at the brink of crossing numerous tipping points due to climate change, according to a report compiled by over 200 researchers.
1: That's right, Diego. These tipping points could lead to the irreversible impact on natural systems crucial to human livelihoods. And while some scientists are wary due to the difficulty in defining and assessing these risks, there's no doubt that the risks are real and escalating with increasing global temperatures.
0: Tim Lenton, a climate scientist who led this report, warns that these tipping points pose threats of a magnitude that humanity has never faced before. The report was released at the 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP28, in Dubai. It's a stark reminder of the urgency to confront these dangers and accelerate efforts to prevent them.
1: And speaking of COP28, other data released there highlight the extent of the challenge. This year's global fossil fuel emissions are on track to hit a record high. And despite nations' pledges to cut emissions, we could still see global temperatures rise to 2.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels by 2100.
0: Which would be catastrophic. The Tipping Points Report paints a grim picture of what could happen. Coral reefs, ice sheets in Greenland and West Antarctica, northern forests, mangroves, and other coastal ecosystems are all at risk. Even the Amazon rainforest could potentially be replaced by savanna with just two degree Celsius of warming.
1: Manjana Milkarite, a political scientist and co-author of the report, underscores that consideration of these tipping points makes short-term action even more urgent. The decisions we make in the next decade or two could affect life on the planet for thousands of years.
0: There's a debate though, isn't there? Michael Oppenheimer, a climate scientist at Princeton University, questions whether focusing on these tipping points would actually stimulate action. He suggests that the increasing frequency of extreme weather events and other climate impacts might be more persuasive.
1: Yes, Diego, but the report also brings a glimmer of hope. It lists potential positive tipping points in social, political, and economic systems that could result in benefits for the climate. For instance, the decreasing cost of wind and solar power is driving investments away from fossil fuels and towards clean energy.
0: That's true. It's clear that the incremental policies pursued by governments so far aren't enough. We need to find and trigger some positive tipping points that accelerate action down an alternative pathway.
1: The stakes couldn't be higher, could they? As we continue to monitor the climate crisis, it's clear that the scientific community is urging us to confront these dangers head on and take decisive action now.
0: Absolutely, Charlotte. It's not just about mitigating the risks, but also about seizing the opportunities to create a sustainable future. Every decision counts. From global concerns to personal ones, our next story takes us from the vast expanses of our planet to the confines of our homes. While we've been discussing the potential impacts of climate change on our environment, it appears that our living arrangements could be having an unexpected impact on our personal health. Brace yourselves as we delve into a surprising study about the effects of renting a home. Charlotte, did you ever think that renting a home could age you faster than smoking or obesity?
1: That's quite the claim, Diego. What's the basis for this?
0: A study from the University of Adelaide and University of Essex suggests that living in a private rental property accelerates the biological aging process by more than two weeks every year.
1: Two weeks per year? That's significant. How does this compare to other factors known to accelerate aging?
0: According to the same research, renting has worse effects on biological age than being unemployed, which adds 1.4 weeks per year, obesity, which adds one week per year, or being a former smoker, adding about 1.1 weeks. It's quite surprising.
1: It is indeed. So what's the reasoning behind this? Why does renting have such an impact on aging?
0: Well, Professor Emma Baker, one of the researchers, suggests it might be related to the insecurity of private renting. The average rental lease in Australia is between 6 and 12 months, meaning that many renters live in a state of uncertainty, not knowing if their lease will be extended or not. This constant stress could be a contributing factor.
1: That's interesting. It's almost as if the instability of renting is causing a stress response that accelerates aging.
0: Exactly. And it's worth noting that this effect doesn't seem to apply to social renters or those in public housing. The security of these arrangements might be a protective factor.
1: It's a fascinating study, Diego. It really highlights the potential health impacts of housing insecurity But it also raises questions about the societal structures that lead to this insecurity in the first place.
0: Absolutely, Charlotte. It's a complex issue and one that requires a multifaceted approach. But at its core, it's about ensuring that everyone has access to stable, secure housing.
1: From the impacts of housing insecurity on our health, we now turn our attention to the impacts of unforeseen global events on our scientific research infrastructure. The National Science Foundation's major facilities projects have been facing challenges due to the COVID-19 pandemic and other global events. Let's delve into the details of these developments. So, Diego, today we're delving into some recent developments regarding the National Science Foundation's major facilities projects, specifically their Antarctic Infrastructure Modernization for Science project.
0: That's right, Charlotte. The NSF funds and oversees design, construction, and operations of crucial research infrastructure. But recent reports suggest that the COVID-19 pandemic has led to cost increases and schedule delays for these projects.
1: Including the modernization of the McMurdo Research Station in Antarctica, right? However, the revised cost estimate for this project has come under scrutiny.
0: Indeed. The GAO found that the revised cost estimate for the Antarctic project wasn't well-documented and therefore couldn't be considered reliable. This is a significant issue that needs addressing.
1: And it's not just the Antarctic project facing these challenges. NSF anticipates additional increases for the Vera C. Rubin Observatory project as well. It seems the pandemic has had a widespread impact on the scientific research infrastructure.
0: Absolutely, Charlotte. And it's not just about cost estimates. Supply chain risks are also a major concern. For instance, the Rubin Observatory project faced supply chain issues due to the war in Ukraine, affecting construction. That's a great point,
1: Diego. It's a complex, multifaceted issue. NSF is now required to identify all known risks that may affect the supply chain for their projects in construction. But how do you prepare for unforeseen risks, such as a global pandemic or geopolitical conflict?
0: Exactly, Charlotte. It's a tough call. In response to these unforeseen risks, NSF has decided to provide management reserve funds. But that's just a Band-Aid solution.
1: Right, Diego. It's about managing known risks and having contingencies in place for those risks. But it's also about being flexible and adaptable when unforeseen risks arise.
0: And that's where the GAO comes in. They've recommended that NSF ensure the Antarctic project meets the well-documented characteristic of a reliable cost estimate. NSF has agreed to this and plans to develop a corrective action plan.
1: Well, it's definitely a step in the right direction, Diego. These projects are vital for advancing U.S. scientific goals and supporting the scientific community's ability to conduct research. It's crucial that we get them back on
0: track. Absolutely, Charlotte. And while we're dealing with these challenges, it's important to remember the end goal. Building these facilities on time and within budget to ensure that our scientific research infrastructure remains strong and capable.